0: Welcome to Archer Talk One Hundred and One Podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals, and reviews of the latest gear and equipment, and much more. Hey, we have a special treat today. We're going to talk to an archer that's actually out on a boat fishing, uh, taking kids with him uh, on a fishing trip. Hi, my name is Rory Canterbury. I'm the host on Archer Talk One Hundred and One. And we have Corey on the line with us. How you doing today, Corey? I'm good, how are you, sir? Doing great. So tell us a little something about yourself.
1: Um, probably the most interesting thing about me is I actually recently started a, my own tackle company. So um, basically it's kind of a long story, but I, I saw a need in the fishing industry and I didn't see anything um, like it on the market. So I went ahead and I got a patent on a product um, and then, uh, through a, a long story, I tried to develop it with another large tackle manufacturer, and they ran into a lot of roadblocks and hiccups. So they kind of uh, ended up backing away from the idea and the concept. And I didn't want to let the the idea go because it needs to be in the industry. So we launched Macula Tackle as the name of the company. We were, we've been in in business now for two years.
0: Cool. We'll we'll get in a little bit more detail a little bit later, but. First, I want to hear about your archery experience. What made you start picking up a bow the first time?
1: Um. All right. Well, when I started archery uh, shortly after my first um, kid was born. Uh, my my brother-in-law was into it, and so he really wanted uh, someone to go with him. So I went out. My godfather had a little bit of land, and he he said that we could go ahead and and hunt it for archery. His stipulation or rules were they hunted heavily for Firearm season, so they said that you know if we just have to stop hunting two weeks prior to the gun season to let the, let everything cool down because <laughs> apparently all the drives and stuff and I me running after deer. No, I'm joking. Um, that you know they, they just thought you know less human presence maybe made it a little better for them. And I remember getting a bow and it was uh, I think it was like an old PSE. It was, at the time, it was called like Buckmaster. And I guess it was supposed to be like some high-end bow for the time. And I think I paid like $200 for it. And I remember going, man, this is going to be an expensive hobby. Uh, (laughs) Wow, have things changed? And I remember, you know, the old crappy peep sights and everything. um, Before they were actually had like good like fiber optics, things of that nature. So, and then uh, I remember that bow being incredibly loud as well. And, uh, the, you know, one of the first times we went out hunting, you know, got everything kind of set up. And I remember I was in the tree stand and like, we were fairly close to a gravel road. And on the other side of the gravel road were a bunch of houses. Well, somebody was burning like leaves or something in, you know, in early September. And I mean, it was just like smoking me out of the woods. And, uh, all of a sudden this deer just comes running by me. And I I was like, what the heck was that? You know, it was the first time I actually saw a deer, like up close you know and it just went running behind me towards the gravel road and it stopped and i'm like well i'm never gonna see him again because the wind was all wrong but i think the smoke actually kind of helped the situation because the deer was not really paying attention to me and all of a sudden he started um running back towards me and he was coming like behind me to the left and i drew my bow back because i'm like i don't know i've I've never practiced any running shots but i'm like i don't know what's going to happen here and he came running around this tree, and I'm like, I better lead this thing, so I, I kind of was trying to lead the deer, and I let the arrow fly, and and I, I knew I hit it, and it just spun out and like landed in front of me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got a deer, and then it like started to like get up again, I'm like, wait, this isn't what is supposed to happen, and so I knocked another arrow, and then I, you know, since it was laying there, um, I, I finished it off with another shot, and then I had to go, uh, my brother-in-law and his friend were out there too, so I I remember getting down, I walked by the deer. I went over to where those guys were. I'm like, Hey, Bob, I just shot a deer. And he goes, did you mark where you shot it? I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) So, so he came back and it was so weird. We, when we were looking at the deer, trying to figure out like what's actually happening, how did we get this deer? Where did I hit it? The first time I hit it in the temple. <laughs> <It> was, oh, <laughs> and that broadhead was dead center in its brain because we found out when we were uh, butchering it, and I was taking the rack up. It was just a, a little six pointer, and uh, and then ended up finding the arrow uh, buried in it. It was like, how was that thing even trying to stand back up? So <laughs> that was the start of my archery passion. Now, to to make the story even longer or more interesting, um, we had a second kid, and then my wife you know, with fishing and hunting, she said, you know, Hey, um, you know, we don't have enough time for you to be hunting and fishing. So she said, well, pick one or the other. And so I ended up backing away from archery for several years because my daughters were younger, actually several, several years. And then I had a son and probably at the age of about seven, eight years old, he expressed some interest in archery. And youth bows have kind of come leaps and bounds. Uh, State of Minnesota had changed the rule that, you know, I think you only have to draw, I think at the time it might've you know, with them on on modern bows, they're a lot easier to handle. So, you know, I worked with my son when he was young to try to get him to um, be strong enough to um, be able to, you know, draw the bow back, Hit his targets and everything, and when he had turned ten years old, uh, we finally started. Our eye got back into the hunting thing, and uh, so as as a young kid, you know, you tell him, you know, hey, if you get a a big deer or something like that, you know, we'll think about mounting it. And uh, so I think he had it in his head that you know, seeing deer is easy, and the hunting was going to be easy. And the very first day I brought him out at 10 years old, he, I, th- I think that actually might, I, I, I don't quote me, I think that might've been a rule where there was an age and a poundage requirement. So I think that's why we started at age 10. Um, either that or that's where that's where he finally got better, more comfortable with his archery and, and was able to draw that weight. And uh, the very first day in a side-by-side uh, tree stand, we had a doe directly under us and actually it was like smelling the tree the steps was and what's crazy is with everything with scent killers and things you spray and put down and try to do everything right it's it's incredible that she was putting her nose in every step we made from from the field all the way into the stand it was insane and so he he never took the shot even though she was right there. Cause he thought day one, this is going to be easy. Well, then the rest of the year, uh, we never got close to another deer. <laughs> um, so it kind of became one of them like, oh crap. Um, you know, I want him to experience a hunt and there was one later, um, day that same year, cause we went weeks without seeing a deer close. We saw him in distance, but we never had anything close. And, um, I had him in a ground blind where I could see him he was you know right on the field that I, I was only like 20 yards into the woods and I had a it was a basket eight point buck that was coming and I'm like oh. it got to the edge I let it go by me it was sitting there and Cole was in the ground blind and I know he was probably shaking like crazy <laughs> and and then the deer did not like the ground blind in the field so it ended up turning back around and then it was coming by me and I'm like you know what Uh, Even though I want my son to shoot one, I think, you know, getting a deer, you know, having a positive experience was very important. So I had a very ethical shot to take and I took the shot and uh, he knew because he heard right away when I shot that, you know, something happened. So I got down, you know, usually you're supposed to wait, you know, a while to get down, but he ran away from me. So I knew I was pretty safe. So I, I got down, I went to the ground blind and Cole was like, did you shoot one? I'm like, yeah. And he, of course, young kids are very excited. They want to just run and go like thinking you're just going to go get it. No, no. Um, so we, <laughs> no. we waited, we waited, I think about a half hour. And, uh, and so we went tracking and this was kind of funny too, because here's, you know, I'm letting Cole kind of, you know, there's the arrow, there's some blood, there's some more blood. And then it was like, we were tracking it in kind of a straight line. And then all of a sudden zero blood, <laughs> <It was laughs> like, um, well, this is weird. And it was, it had gotten dark at that point. So I'm like, well, let's just go back to the car and we'll get flashlights and we'll come back. And we, we were tracking that straight line, but I kind of told him at a young age, like, don't go too far ahead, you know, cause you don't want to step and flip leaves over that might cover up blood, you know, anything like that. You gotta, you know, you know stay back or whatever and then we had like a, a pretty good spotlight and uh right where the blood had ended um i started shining and then lo and behold only like 20 yards ahead of us that deer was laying dead so um he got to experience the the, the tracking part which wasn't perfect perfect but uh he got to see what what had to happen he got to track uh, drag a deer he, and he what was cool is you know you know you kind of get nervous like are these kids gonna be afraid of blood and guts and things like that and you know you just tell them you know turn away if it's gonna make you queasy or something like that and he was all like this is really everything was brand new to him and super cool and uh and and that's where he kind of developed his passion and it was it was fun to share it with him so the story gets better if you got time
2: (laughs) we got time (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I could just keep talking. <laughs> if you
0: got battery, we got time.
1: <laughs> so it was, it was the follow. So the rest of the year, you know, I brought him out and we had some close encounters with not what what we would call maybe like an ethical shot to take, you know, brush in the way, maybe kind of a funky angle or something like that. So yeah. uh, we never got close. So then when he turned 11 years old, the very next year. This was very exciting. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings were playing the, I think it was like the Cleveland Browns, and they should have dominated the game. I was watching it, and and Cole went in the backyard to practice. It was the opening day or opening weekend of archery season. We had the, the tree standout. We were all ready to go, and he was practicing in the backyard on the 3D target. I'm watching the Vikings, and of course, they end up losing, so I'm in a bad mood. They, I have no idea how they lost to a, a crumb team, but that's, that's the Vikings. They're, they're <laughs> gifted at that. <laughs> There's no better team in the NFL at losing uh, a game. They should dominate than the Minnesota Vikings. Um, <laughs> so anyways, he was in the backyard and I know he was shooting and all of a sudden he came in the house and he was in tears and upset at the world. And what happened is he had shot and his arrow was a little high in it kicked the back of the target and it launched and it was, and he lost an arrow. So he was all upset that he, that he lost an arrow and, you know, didn't, you know, and he was just like, well, he was in his room kind of crying a little bit. And I'm, I went in there and I'm like, Hey, nobody is perfect in this world. And it's the people that, you know, put a mistake behind them and, and actually go, okay, I don't want to make that mistake again. what went wrong let's go out and fix it. So we don't do anything wrong in the woods. So I went out after the game and we, we shot it at the target a little ways or a little bit. And um, we got a fish on here, a little a live action.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm,
1: gonna, I'm gonna get to the 12 or 14 inch bass.
2: <laughs> li- li-
0: live action video. <laughs> oh, it's a rock, rock bass. <laughs> so anyway, so he
1: had practiced and he actually started doing really well uh with his accuracy and 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 the yardage and he was and i'm like all right it's up to you do you want to go or you know and he's like yeah let's go hunting so we you know and i i don't know how i mean everybody who probably follows these podcasts has their own routine um i used to be very much like showers and scent killing stuff and scent this nose blocker play you know everything but And all my years of like deer hunting, it's incredible. Those things, they know where you are. (laughs) It's just just if they, I think if they feel like if you may have kept walking and they didn't quite see you, that they might be a little comfortable coming out.
2: (laughs) It's hard to say.
1: Um, So, you know, took the shower and I actually, I don't know what you think, but I think the majority of our scent exits our bodies through our nose and our mouth. That's just me, and it's like, why doesn't somebody develop? Well, somebody will probably do it now, like a gum that you can chew, because that's what I was always tough when you know they,
0: they have a you gum know. you can chew, but it', it it's okay. nasty to chew. Yeah, so <laughs> nice. I did. Kind of it says it's nasty. It tastes yeah, like
1: alcohol. I, oh, that's no good. So what I would do would just be eat an apple. I had heard that a long time ago, like one of those older wives' tales, if you will, or whatnot. That maybe that would be a better wait, cause the acids of the apple will kind of, you know, keep your mouth from putting out bad smell, bad smells. I don't know. So we both kind of eat an apple on the way to the, the tree stand um, or actually before we get out of the car and then head to the tree stand. And so we get out there, we got out really early. I thought it was early. So we're in the side-by-side tree stand again. And, you know, it's, it can be boring
2: <laughs> yeah. really boring.
1: and here you got 11 year old, old kids sitting there and there was a decent trail in front of us now i i'd love to just go marching every bit of sign and everything but sometimes it's like if it's decent sign i kind of like back off and just like we had a really good entry plan and exit plan without being busted so we we went into the stand we were up everything was quiet and still there was a raccoon we got to watch, walk around a little bit in the woods. And and then I did see a couple does enter the field from a different area, like a different property that we don't have permission to hunt. And then it was like, they weren't coming our way. And then you get kind of sleepy. And I'm, I was I told Cole, he can watch the woods to the left. I'm gonna watch the field more to the right in case anything comes on that trail. And it started to get, you know, I drifted off a couple of times. And then all of a sudden I get a little tap on my shoulder and I, and I turn and look and, and Cole leans over and he goes, there's a deer over there. And I'm, I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, I see nothing. And it was the same area where the raccoon was. Oh. So I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. And then, uh, and then, so I was, you know, just kind of whispered to him. I'm like, well, is it a buck or a doe and he goes it's a buck. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like the year before, every doe we saw, oh, that, that was a big buck or could have been a buck. I don't know. I didn't see it, but it was in his world. Everything at that point was a buck. And so I'm just like, I'm looking else, all of a sudden, I saw a little brown and I'm like, oh, it is a deer. And it's off in the distance. And I'm just like kind of watching and it's kind of slowly coming up the trail and I'm like, holy crap, it is a buck. So he, he had already, it was, it was kind of coming at a normal pace on the trail and he, he stood up and I'm just watching him because I'm the backup guy. And I'm thinking, well, what's this deer going to do? And Cole had drew his bow back and he was holding and the deer stopped. And it was like 40 yards away and it was facing us kind of. And so I'm like watching and I'm watching Cole, he's holding his bow back and I'm like, and he's kind of looking at, he kind of looked back at me one time, kind of panicked. And I'm like, I told him let off and he let off and he's just standing there and I'm kind of watching the body language of the deer and I'm watching the body language of Cole. And I kind of look up at him and it's like, I'm like, breathe. (laughs) I didn't see any motion in his lungs. He was just like holding his breath. And I'm like, I was like, relax, breathe. So I saw him take a deep breath and we were just watching this deer. And it was where we were was like, there was a, where the trail was was a little bit of a highland and it just dipped down a little bit and that the tree we were on, we were obviously would have an angle down, but it looked like the deer was looking straight at us when he was probably looking more at our feet area, if you will. So I'm sitting there watching this deer then, you know, the deer kind of looked like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable or whatnot. And he, he put his head down and he started walking. So Cole drew his bow back and I'm like, okay, here we go. And then, and then at this point, I mean, I thought it was a buck but I didn't know how big and and I was just kind of watching and then that as it was coming up the trail right when it was at about 12 yards there was one big tree and it stopped and so I'm looking and I'm like I have a shot at this thing right now uh, but I I we're gonna watch this deer and and I'm like I'm looking at its head and it was a very nice rack and and I'm like, I I was, I was excited. I'm getting the shakes, you know? And I'm looking at Cole holding his bow back at 11 years old. And the deer kind of looked left, looked right. And he kind of did a little tail shake. And, uh, and then he started coming and he came right behind that tree. And it was like a perfect shot. And I'm like, looking at Cole, like, I'm just like, why? <laughs> I'm like, shoot him. <laughs> and he shot. And I remember it so vividly, I mean, you know, when that impact is, and there's something about hunting that when the arrow hits, you see it. It's everything slow motion in zoom, even with bad eyesight, you know, and that arrow just went right where it should. And the deer turned and ran back the other way. And I'm like, we're high-fiving and I'm shaking him and I'm, I'm all pumped for him. And, and I'm like, you know, this is going to be incredible. It was an incredible shot. We want to give this thing a lot of time. He wanted to get down right away. And I'm like, well, let's maybe, you know, so this is on my godfather's land. And I said, let's call my bro- my brother, in law who lives like 20 minutes away, not far to see if he could come give us a hand with tracking and, and all of the things that you need to do. So we get down and we, we were walking the opposite direction. So I wasn't worried about like, like kicking him up or anything like that. And uh, go back to the the car. We waiting for my brother and law to show up, and got flashlights and headlights and things like that. And so about it, I'd say about forty five minutes to an hour had passed, and we went back my, after my brother and law showed up. It's Cole's godfather as well. So we get up. We get to the woods. We're kind of looking around for that first blood. There's a tree stand. This is where the deer was. This is where he shot it. And I wasn't seeing anything. And Jason's mm-hmm. like, "Well, how was the shot?" And I'm like, "In my opinion, it's like." double lung and probably clipped a heart. I mean, it was like right there. It was a 10 yard shot, chip shot. He was right there. This is where he, you know, he hit it and we're looking, looking, put Cole up in the tree stand. He had school the next day because this was on Sunday when the Vikings lost. And I'm just like, where is their blood? I mean, there has to be blood. There has to be blood. And so I, we, we had spent about probably close to an hour working this one small area and Cole's like, yeah, that's where it was. That's where it was. And I'm standing there and this was the interesting thing now people that hunt a lot more and have more success with bucks I've read articles on it that even though you can see a dominant trail that could be a doe trail and that bucks sometimes use another trail of their own where they don't want to walk where does are because we I kept looking up the trail where I thought he ran that deer split off that trail and there was a secondary tiny little trail that you couldn't Really see until I saw the arrow. And I'm like, Jason, the, I found some arrow. Cole, we got some, we got the arrow over here. Oh, I got some more blood. So Cole came down and we just kind of sat back and said, This is your deer. You track this thing. And we had, we brought like a roll of toilet paper. So we, every, when we find blood, we put a little bit, little piece of toilet yeah. paper down just in case something happened. And Cole did a fantastic job. And we're just looking, looking, looking. And all of a sudden it was like, right right, straight ahead of us. The thing ran maybe 35 yards, 40 yards
2: max. And there was this deer. And then when you get up close to it, this thing was big. Body. And so I'm looking at my brother-in-law like, oh my gosh. Like we wanted to,
1: the mosquitoes were kind of bad at that time. So we were like, we wanted to get it out of the woods to the field edge where we had more space. And we started to drag it, and we and Cole was trying to help us, and we were struggling. And I'm like, "We got to do this in here." So, and we kind of just watched them through everything, and did a great job. So we got gutted it out, and I thought I was gonna die. I my brother-in-law thought he was gonna die. So we we literally get this thing up to the field edge, and he's like, "Do you think you can drive a car there?" At the time, I had a a 1997 saturn sl not a wagon sedan that's what i had so i'm like i think it'll make it back here so i drive the car back and i think the first time we tried to get it up and into the trunk because i was like we're never going to get the trunk shut anyways but we can we got you know we can probably get its legs to fold in and we'll we'll get it in the car and the first time was an epic fail and i mean oh it was horrific and uh and then like, the, I think it was like the third or fourth time we finally got his body in the, tr- in the trunk and somehow by, you know, the act of God, we were able to bend its its legs, went towards like where the back seats would be and his body slipped in there. And somehow we, we rolled the head around and we were actually able to get the trunk shut. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this was at like 10 o'clock and I, I don't know how many people I had that uh, we're into archery that like my close friends at archery hunt a lot more way more successful than I ever have been you know that we we got this deer and sent photos and everything and then you know of course you have to hit all your friends' house on your on your way back home and yeah. uh what I, I my really good friend Brian we stopped at his house and he's like where's your deer I'm like it's in the trunk he's like what that yeah, we opened that trunk and that de- <laughs> he was like how in the heck did you get this thing in here I'm like Saturn's a do it all vehicle, you know, and, uh, Cole was beyond excited, uh, right. The next day told all of his teachers, cause up here, arch- our know, hunting in general is a, is a very, um, you know, especially in the areas that we live, we're outside of the, the cities, uh, if you will. And, you know, it seems like you have a lot more people that are into the outdoors, hunting, right. fishing, things of that nature and teachers, you know, you know, the teachers that are into it all. So, I mean, it was going around school about Cole's deer. It was a 10 pointer. Um, uh, he went down uh, to the deer and turkey classic that year they had it and he had it scored in it and it actually made um, the green score or whatever it I, It was. I don't know. It was green. I don't even know how to do all that stuff, but uh, it was like 135 and like a, a quarter or two thirds. It was like a weird number because one side had one young uh, record book in Minnesota. And uh, uh, so it was super exciting. And then, um, you know, before before a lot of this had happened, like Cole also did um, firearm safety and there's a, a camp in Minnesota called Forkhorn Camp. So if you have any like archery viewers in the Minnesota area and their kids are interested in everything, um, The first year of camp, you can get your firearm safety. The second year, you could do a lot more with archery. And then the third year was kind of more of a, just a fun year. You can do whatever you want with the, with the camp. So, um, if you are a member of Minnesota deer hunters association, they have like, um, they will sponsor kids to go to this camp where they'll pick up the bill if you're a member. So it's a great way to, um, become a member of a good organization, support the organization. And then also, you know, the kids get a lot of education with it. So that's kind of like the whole, like what my, like in a nutshell, what got me into archery hunting. Um, I actually have had like three hardship years with archery. Uh, just we've had dry conditions where swamps um I, they, it's hard to you know when it got so hot and dry, the deer stayed in the swampy areas that were mostly dry, and so the ones that would come out to the edges would be so late at night to come out to feed that I didn't have the greatest uh, last three years. But um, I also decided for some reason, and and here's me with archery in a nutshell. Um, I, I've gun hunted a little bit, but I just never enjoyed it as much as archery and, and Archery is challenging for sure, but it feels, in my opinion, it's very, very rewarding when you're successful. Um, It's, you know, everybody who hunts, you know, with the firearms always is saying, you know, oh, you know, just got up in the stand and then as soon as shooting light, there was something, you know, 50 to a hundred yards away and put the scope on, boom, down, you know, done. And it's like, that's not archery. Archery, it feels like you're very... In tune with the outdoors, you have you have to do so many things right to be successful that it's that i I, I really like the challenge. And then, for some reason, I decided to start archery hunting turkeys <laughs> <laughs> just just to make everything wicked complicated,
0: yeah, they, they do pre- present a different challenge, don't they?
1: Yes, absolutely. Just checking my battery percentage. Oh, we're good. We're good. Yeah. So I know I probably talked for like 40 minutes straight.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, you know, that's what it's about is you know, <laughs> hearing your stories, and you know, they don't hear my stories over and over. So yours is more interesting than mine because they probably all heard mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, had, I've uh, had some, some, uh,
2: well, what, oh, don't I, have I, much I, blood I, either. Thing like that, that, uh, Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. Oh, I was gonna say, like, um,
1: after Cole had shot that deer and the story went around, even with like our Deer Hunters Association chapter,
2: um, my daughter, my oldest daughter helped. You're starting to break up
1: the article and they published it in, I think, I don't remember the name of the magazine, I have one in my room
2: yet, but it had the photos of his deer and us together, and it was kind of our story. And
1: Cole, I'm sorry, maybe I'll stand up. (laughs) And then uh, let me know when we're good again.
0: Yeah, you're you're good now.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. I'll just have to have my arm about <laughs> a ways up
2: into the clouds. Yeah. But uh,
1: no, I was just saying that his his uh his experience was published in a magazine as well for the Deer Hunters Association, and that was that was kind of a cool a cool accomplishment for him as well.
0: Yeah, where where does it go from now? Do you that, have that adventure? in Nebraska? I'm sorry, say again? Where does he go after that with that adventure? How's he top that?
1: Yeah, I told him he, he might as well just retire his bow and not do this anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, He actually,
1: there's a, up in Minnesota, there's a really big, um, the Army and all the military uses this land. It's Fort Ripley or Camp Ripley. And years ago, it used to always put out like monster, monster deer and it was an application only hunt however they had youth hunts that you know they were able to you know you sign up and you're pretty good chance to get picked um however the wolves have they entered for some reason it's a huge huge chunk of property and they decided you know
2: that the deer numbers were a little well you cut out let's see if we can. Uh, I, and, and
1: what if for some reason they decided to introduce wolves into camp ripley and ever since then the the, the hunting has been a lot more difficult yeah and hunt really late in the game so um But, you know, we probably like 130 kids thing and they they allow you scout a little bit, the one area that they allow you to hunt and put up stands or ground blinds um, and actually leave them in, I think as well. Cause usually with the adult hunt, you have like, if you go up in a a climber stand or anything like that, you have to take it out with you every night. So the youth youth hunt there was a little different. And um, that was one where we went and it was super dry again and hot. Sorry, I just got attacked by a dragonfly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, some friends of ours had actually hit a deer the very first day and Cole had a really good opportunity at a doe, but it was very windy and she was wicked alert. And one of those where I've always heard people say like if, if you have a deer and their body language is like they know something's not quite kosher. That you have to like aim to miss and this deer came in and we knew that cole's friend dylan had hit one but we were they were like asking for us to come help them track because you have to you have to be out at a certain or at a checkpoint at a certain time or they come looking for you so cole had an opportunity at a doe very late and he had he had shot and it was one of those where she she ducked. I've never seen one go matrix style that way. That was intense. And so he missed. We went to go help Dylan track his. And Dylan was a kid where it was a friend of Cole's, same age in school. And he, uh, this was like the know-it-all kid that didn't work at it. Just everything was supposed to be easy. And so he I know he wouldn't practice a whole lot. And I, m- I remember checking his bow one time and I thought, my gosh, is this thing drawing even 30 pounds? It was incredibly light. And um, so when we found his arrow, there was no good penetration. And so it kind of had like a, not looking too good. And so we unfortunately had to leave the camp because, you know, of the curfew and the next day, We thought, well, what we'll do, they were seeing a lot of deer that day because they were near a swamp and it was so dry. Obviously water is key, you know, when you have dry time. And um, so we, we hunted their ground blind the next morning and they just said, well, we'll sleep in the truck. And then whenever you guys are done hunting, then we'll track Dylan's deer again. So we get in the ground blind and it was really dark yet. And I thought it was another hunter I thought something walked right by our ground line, like almost like grazed the ground line. Hmm. And uh and it started to get light and down by the swamp there was a there was a, a smaller six-point buck. And we were watching it for a while. I was down like 50 yards downhill. And um and I'm like, well, it started to come up the hill after it drank a bunch of water. And I was like, this thing's gonna come right by the ground blind, So I You know, Cole started to draw his bow in the, in the blind and he drew back, but it was like the deer was facing us and it was only like 20 yards away. And I'm like, that don't take that shot. (laughs) I don't know. Some people might be confident with a straight on deer shot. I just didn't feel like tracking a deer forever. Um, I've never done it myself. Yeah. I didn't feel the risk was worth it. So I'm like, just hold tight. And the deer started to come on the trail that we when when it was light enough we could actually see the trail and the thing was maybe seven yards and I was taking video with my old crappy phone <laughs> and uh Cole just put like the absolute hurt and shot on that <laughs> it, it was a it was an absolute heart shot and I remember Cole like immediately saying that was a heart shot I got him in the heart dad and uh, I was like yeah as <laughs> so we watched the video and so I text Dylan and his dad, like, Hey, Cole just shot a deer. If you guys want, give us like 20 minutes. And then we'll, I know Cole's deer is probably dead. We'll, we'll start hunting yours or or cracking the one that they had hit the night before. So they instantly Dylan was at our ground blind and he wanted to go look for his deer. That's fine. And, uh, we started tracking and it was, we had other families come and help us and try to crack his deer. And it was just one of them like. There was like a drop every 100 yards, and it it, 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 was, it was crawling on hands and knees to get hot, and it was just miserable. And I, I was feeling nauseous and lightheaded. And I told Cole, I was like, let's go back to the ground blind and have a cooler, at least get something to eat and drink before we get back to tracking deer. And uh, we went back to the ground blind, and I'm like, do you want to track your deer real quick? <laughs> so we. So we blood on that one it was insane it was like blood 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 and we had heard that dylan had missed some deer the night before or the the prior day and we found all of his arrows from him missing deer because they kept coming to that swamp that (laughs) the day before and uh it was so funny because one of the arrows of dylan's had a bunch of Cole's blood on it because when it went running by it was just a stream so that thing (laughs) ran 25 yards and was stone dead in that and we drug it actually into the woods to, uh, but you know, because it was cooler in the woods, and then we tracked Dylan's deer for the rest of the day, basically, and just it was not good. Um, so that was kind of the um, the Camp Ripley hunt, and it was weird because with 135 kids in that hunt, there was only two deer shot. There was a small doe that a, that a, like a yearling that a, a girl had got, and Cole had got that six point buck. So, he uh, yeah, he's he's been a, a pretty darn good little hunter. Um, almost got too cocky at a young age, but now his now his archery thing because the not that deer hunting is easy, but uh, he loves fishing. But he really got into the carp shooting and rough fish shooting and that we have in Minnesota, and he lives for that. I've tried it; it's not my cup of tea. But <laughs> you want to talk about a sport that has gotten. You think musky fishermen are quiet with their spots or their lakes or their they got something going or anything? Yeah, carp people are worse than musky people. I swear <laughs> they don't say nothing when you know when they're pre-spawn and they're cruising. They don't they don't tell anybody. And it's like they they're carp man. there's you just got you just go out and fill barrels of these things. <laughs> but it kind of combines a little bit of the the stocking of fish along with archery and kind of Cole's newest thing and, and my newest thing, because I've had uh, terrible, I don't have the greatest property. And in Minnesota, it's getting to the point now where, you know, there's so many people that buy land, have land, but don't like hunters or, or they have a, a cousin and nephew, a, a uncle's brother's second wife removed something, you know, that comes out there once a year for gun hunting and you know so then archery is like you know it used to be easier to door knock and get permission and it's gotten tougher so i'm probably going to start picking up more of the state property cuz minnesota does have a lot of state land um but the turkey hunting has been since they've kind of i don't want to say they've exploded but they there's definitely areas where there there's a lot of them or more of them they're the dumbest smart smartest dumb birds that's out there and I have more fun watching them even if I don't get a shot at them seeing the stupid stuff that they do all the time um last year I I had a bunch of unfortunately I'm right-handed and I had a bunch of them come out to my right and I had no angle in the ground blind to spin around to get any shot to them so I was just watching them basically hoping they'd eventually cross in front of me and all of a sudden they, I saw their heads up like super high like they were panic but looking at something it was a cat that this cat came into the wood or out of the woods into the field and these turkeys I mean followed this stupid cat were more curious about this cat that I think I'm going to get a stuffed animal
2: and that's going to be my turkey decoy next year (laughs) is a cat with a And, we made, and just right way to put a little. Whoops!
0: You, you kind of cut out there for a second. You get a stuffed hey, animal where we where we left off.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> yeah, the reception here, even with Verizon, is not the greatest. But yeah, that I've never seen birds or turkeys more excited about something other, you know, than than a cat that crossed the field, followed it, would would stay behind it. You know, or just just, you know, the, the cat would lay down and they'd just get closer and look at it. Then the cat would stand back up and they'd, they'd move a little bit and then come right back. I mean, it was, it was just hilarious. Um, so stupid turkeys, I guess. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I've heard guys tell where they, they shot, shot a, a big Tom and, and the small, small ones come in and attacked it. And <laughs> our are be, be, oh, beat right, that. that just shot. Yes.
1: You know, and that's one thing that I mean. I know you know since we're talking archery and such. Um, that is the weirdest thing to me, is, you know, it it. Every video I'd watch on turkey hunting, it it, it made it look like just every, you just hit them and they would flop. You know, oh no, oh no. I mean that shot placement has to be on, freaking point. You know, right. And uh, so like uh, the first year i hit a jake and i was like this was easy and that thing just jumped flopped one time and then looked around and then just started walking around again i'm like what the heck i (laughs) i hit that thing like i swear where i should have they just have such a small kill zone right so i don't know i have some you know you always get someone saying oh just get the get the whatever broadhead and just lob their heads off and i'm like oh yeah because because their heads always sit still and give you a chance to anchor and shoot (laughs) granted i've watched videos on it but no, uh, <laughs> I don't want to lose that many arrows, uh, missing deer's heads or uh, turkeys heads. But I did get my second turkey um, this year uh, with a bow, and that was very very exciting. But yeah, um, that, that I had a friend of mine too who's a hardcore turkey hunter, and he said he tried it with a bow, shot one, tracked it for like over two miles. The thing never died, and he was like, you know, hit another one another year. And now he's like, yeah, no, nope, I'm done. I just go back to just shoot him in the head with a gun. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's too easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they taste so good though.
1: <laughs> they do actually. Yeah. My son, he didn't do it with the bow. He's still like, yeah, I'm just gonna, he wants to spend his, most of his time. And at that time of the year in the spring in his boat, chasing down carp, uh, with <laughs> his bow, bow fishing stuff. Um, but, yeah, getting back real quick to Cole, too, it was strange. Like um, A lot of people probably follow different hunters, if you will. And uh, um, Levi Morgan? Is he the Matthews guy that went to Elite and then switched back to Matthews or something? And And then there was another dude, John Dudley. And he was very good on social media, loved his videos, very how he spoke, how he dressed, everything. And he would like, answer your questions live. And uh, I was getting a lot out of it. And I I started asking him uh, because it was like Cole had won a bow, like four, he had already shot like three or four deer with a right-handed bow. And he won a, a new bow and we went to go set it up. It was like, a I think it was a diamond, uh infinite edge or something one of the first years they had that youth bow and um anyways he he went to set it up and they did the eye test and the guy was like I'm not gonna set up the bow for you and we're like what and he's like no he's left eye dominant and I'm like what are you talking about and he's like you know it's just gonna get worse so I remember like he was kind of upset about it because he's like you know I don't want to shoot left-handed and, you know, then with all the websites, Archery Talk uh, was one of them, but I, I'd reached out to John Dudley and said, you know, right. Hey, what would you do if, cause his, his son, I think is my son's age as well. And he said, you know, uh, eye dominance is only going to get worse in the future. So he's like, if he's a younger age, it'd be much easier for him to switch now before, you know, he's a, an adult adult and now it's much tougher. Right. Um, hold on real quick. Ryan, hit this weed line super slow, super slow. Like when you think you're going slow, go slower. And that's how slow you fish it or slower than that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> gotta do that thing. So, so, okay, so then what happened is I know at the time like Dudley was really good. Cause, and what I like is it, if you're even if you're sponsored by somebody, he didn't like, he didn't like push it hard on you or anything. It was just, Hey, you know, whatever bowl he's comfortable with. He, at the time I think was big with Hoyt. Now I think he's with PSE. I I lose track of these guys. And sometimes I, when I see people switching and taking big paychecks, I start to, not that I say they lose credibility in my opinion, but it's just like, well, you know, for the last three years, I've been following you're you just saying, you know, Hoyt's the best, Hoyt's the best, Hoyt's the best. And then now, oh, now you're with PSE. It's like, no, PSE is the best. PSE, and it's like, but the good thing was, is Dudley was really cool about like, yeah, it don't matter. Just whatever bow you're comfortable with. So I was on, I believe, um, the Archery Talk website and um, and I was asking a lot of questions about left-handed bows. And at the time, Elite seemed to be kind of coming on strong. I don't even want to say coming on strong. It's just I started to hear a lot about them being a shootable more shootable bow. And, and so then I'm like, well, the draw cycle, the everything that, you know, is important. And if, if the kid's gonna switch hands, you want a bow that's like the smoothest drawing bow you can get. Right. And a lot of people said Elite was good. And obviously that Archery Talk um, website had uh, like a left-hand only forum or something. So you go in there and they you know, they'd have bows for sale. So he just started looking and they, I mean they were inexpensive and there was a gentleman out of New York that was really generous I told him the story about you know Cole wanting to switch to a left-hand bow and uh that's what he was selling he gave me a really good deal on it I think it was like three hundred dollars five no five hundred dollars but it came with with uh sights and peeps and a few arrows and and he mailed it all out that was super cool um and so Cole it didn't take him long at all so if anybody else has ever noticed like maybe an eye is getting weaker or something like that and then they're, they're afraid of, you know, switching or going to a left hand. Um, and and again, I think now with technology, almost everybody's bow on the market draws well and holds well. But um, I remember when I bought my first Elite then after, I had a friend of mine that had a, it was some turbo version of a bow. So. He was like, this is a jumpy thing, but he wanted the fastest bow he could get. (laughs) And I, my eyes were starting to take a dump (laughs) on me at this point. I didn't know it. I, you know, I just seemed like low light. I was like, God, is my peep twisting or something seems wrong. Cause as soon as it, you know, I, I can hit, I can aim, everything's perfect. And then as soon as low light happens, it's just like, is there, is there a piece of the string in the way? I mean, it was just, something was wrong. And so I went to his house, we were shooting off his deck and and, um, and it started to get low light. And I'm like, okay, Lawrence, like now it's like, I can't see this. <laughs> and he's like, well, let me see your bow. So he he grabbed and he drew it back and he was holding. He's like, oh, it looks clear to me. And I'm, I'm like, really? I said, nothing's in the way. And he's like, yeah, it's perfect. And he kind of like aimed down and he was like, and I'm looking at him and he looked all like, like kind of panicky and I'm like what's going on he's like I didn't you know usually when you change your angle greatly the bow will creep on you and the bow he had currently had creeped or crept incredibly bad so he's always afraid and that's how he lets his bow down he would usually hold extra pressure on it lean down or aim down and then slowly try to let off but that that cam would engage and just pull you (laughs) and And that that elite didn't do it, and he's like, I should have never done that.
2: <laughs> I was like, why?
1: He's like, I that's crazy. He's like, I I felt like I had to push it to get it to go, and um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't have the
2: crazy speed, um, and I'm sure even now, you know, technology has gotten where everyone's is good. And, and yeah, if you want the fast bowl, you can. Hey, you're breaking up again. Wicked fast one, or if you want the one with the most
1: inertia, you can get that one. It's yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten kind
2: of crazy um with the technology anyways with with both so i don't know what you do, what you shoot or maybe you're, maybe even just i uh, i'm
1: just gonna throw an arrow
0: you're breaking up real hand bad hand
1: or spearing them <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're starting to break up. why don't up you catch them. that bass? Maybe, maybe turn off your <laughs> camera to help. Tell me, tell me when we're good again, because I'm standing.
0: Uh, <laughs> I can hear the video is kind of well, like you move.
2: Maybe just turn you off moved your for video. a second. Moving. I apologize. <laughs> yeah now they just
0: have to look just, at me and listen to you
1: <laughs> there's just a lot going on
0: yeah yeah there is uh, uh, i apologize no that's all I right see. you're you're out there fishing I and
1: turn it off how do i even do that that sounds like technology stuff
2: yeah
1: <laughs> oh Tell me if that's any
2: better. Yeah, that sounds uh, good. That's okay. I'm not that pretty. <laughs> yeah, when you're out on the lake, sometimes you don't know what you're going to have for uh, uh, reception. And yeah, he's got it. Got his video off, so it won't be in there. I just, I'm not sure with the sound.
0: You know, when you're on a lake, you never know what you're going to run into, and and we just kind of deal with the what we have when we have it, and yeah, there's there's a, a lot of great stories in in that. And I'll, I'll try and get a link to what he talked about, the the group he's talking about in Michigan, and I'll put a link in the description and uh, let everybody know where that's at. And while we're waiting for him to make back in, he disconnected, so I think he's in a real bad position out there. So yeah, we'll um just want to let you guys know the Archer Talk 101 Facebook group gets to listen to this live and comment on it, and uh, join that group, and we'll we'll do what we can do helping you out with whatever whatever questions or problems you might happen to have. Uh, we can you can upload your video and we'll take a look at it. Um, it it's just a group of uh, archers helping other archers out. Uh, there's there's no selling of products in this one, uh, so we don't have to worry about you know, a whole bunch of ads or anything. But yeah, that's uh it's been great talking with uh Corey and uh out there in a the boat. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised I was able to talk this long. So that that was really good. And uh we'll just um we'll just kind of call this one for the day and we'll we'll talk to you guys a little bit later. Make sure you stay tuned for the next one. This one here is podcast number one oh nine and I'm having a whole lot of fun doing this. And I hope you guys are having a lot of
2: fun too. So once again, my name is Roy Canterbury. I've been your host today on ArchTalk 101. And we'll see you in the next one.